Um, some of you men may remember a book that many of us read together probably 10 years ago uh, as part of our men's ministry here, which was titled Sleeping Giant. It was written by a guy who was a men's ministry pastor out in California, and uh, his name's Kenny Luck. And in this book, Sleeping Giant, Kenny Luck writes to every man very plainly and with deep conviction these words. He says, your life is like a stick of dynamite. Your life is like a stick of dynamite that explodes with a blast zone that will affect your family both now and for generations to come. Your life is like a stick of dynamite that will send out a blast zone affecting those around you. Now, Kenny Luck wrote that to men, and it certainly is true of men, but it's also true of women. It's true of all of us. See, the fact is, the life that we live will explode into our world every single day. Every morning we get up and we explode out into our world and the ways in which we live and the values which we embrace and the, and the biblical guidance by which we live and the spiritual disciplines which we embrace, all of those things determine what is in the radius of our blast zone. And so if you explode into your world with a deep faith and Jesus and a commitment to obedience to him and a desire to honor God, if that's the explosion of your life, then the blast zone that will affect those around you will be filled with righteousness and beauty and blessing. But if you explode into your life every single day with selfishness, then the blast zone that you will create that will surely affect Everyone around you will be filled with disappointment and unrighteousness and dysfunction and really death. And I hope that as you consider that this morning, that you will say, I want the blast zone of my life to bring blessing. In fact, here's the way that really you ought to think about it and say it. I want to be a blessing. In fact, I hope that somewhere in your notes or across the top of your Bible page, it would be perfect to write it above Genesis 12 there in the margin of your Bible, that you will just affirm this to be true. I want to be a blessing. In fact, why don't you say that out loud? Turn, turn to your neighbor, tell him right now, just, just confess it. I want to be a blessing. Amen. I do too. I really do. I think you will agree with me, even already in this series, and certainly I hope by the time we finish, you will agree that Abraham was a blessing and that he continues, even until today, to be a blessing. Let me welcome you to the second week of this study on the life of Abraham. We're just getting started. Last week was week number one. We've got 12 weeks in which we're going to be thinking about Abraham's life and his family and his faith. And we're going to go right up until Easter thinking about Abraham. 
But because we were just beginning last week, I was really, uh, we were really thinking together about these rudimentary kind of facts about Abraham, really just getting introduced to him and getting to know him. We met Abraham, or whose name originally was Abram, and his wife, who ultimately became Sarah, but her name was Sarai. In the beginning, God changed their names to Abraham and Sarah. We met his father last Sunday, whose name was Terah. You might remember him. And then, of course, his nephew, which we all know by name, or most of us do, which was Lot. We talked about Abraham's family last week. We also emphasized the fact last Sunday that Abraham is the father of the Jewish nation. Here's the way to say it. Literally, every Jewish person throughout history, if you were to trace their family tree back, you would go all the way back to Abraham and Sarah. That's where it begins. The, the, the Jewish nation is born from Abraham and Sarah. He's the father. And then the third thing that we talked about last week is that Abraham is the father of faith. So all of us who have faith in Christ, we share the faith of Abraham and we share the blessing and the inheritance of Abraham as well. I said to you last Sunday that I hope that from now on you'll always think of faith when you think of Abraham that you'll always associate the word faith with the name Abraham because this is truly who he was. And we learned last week that there are benefits. There were benefits in his life of being a man of faith and there are benefits in our lives as well when we're people of faith. First and foremost is what Romans 4 and verse 3 says, which is that faith is counted for righteousness, right? None of us possess righteousness. We're not righteous. We're unrighteous. The Bible's clear to tell us that. We don't possess righteousness, and yet, righteousness, perfect righteousness is required for entrance into heaven. So God says, I know you don't have righteousness, but if you'll trust me, I will count your faith as righteousness. That's important. God says, I will count your faith as righteousness. And then last week, we also learned that faith makes the impossible possible. God can do what we think can't be done. He speaks to things that do not exist as though they are. And it doesn't matter how broken or, or uh, 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 in uh, how unfixable, let me get my words there, how unfixable a situation might be, God can, in fact, intervene and do the impossible. That was kind of last week, the things that we learned. Now, today we're going to look at chapter 12 of Genesis where we're going to think about Abraham's call. This is the call of God on Abraham's life. We're going to see how his life was changed forever by this call and how each of us have received a call from the Lord as well. So you follow along as I read, please. Uh, Genesis chapter 12 in verse number 1. So the Bible says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from your kindred, your, your family, and from your father's house, and go unto a land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless you, and I will curse him that curses you. And in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all of their substance that they had gathered, and all of the souls that they had gotten in Haran, 
And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. And into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land unto a place called Shechem, unto the plain of Moreh, and the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed, unto your descendants, will I give this land. And there he built an altar unto the Lord who had appeared unto him. Now, by the way, we're going to read a couple more verses, but I might just point out to you that verse number six makes this declarative statement at the end of the verse. It says, and the Canaanite was in the land. Here's the point. The land was not uninhabited. It was inhabited. It was populated. In fact, very populated. And yet God said to Abram, I'm going to give this land to you, to your descendants. And another way to say that would be, I'm going to give their land to you. The land currently inhabited by the Canaanites would become the land of the Jews. That's the promise of God. Verse number 8, And he removed from there unto a mountain on the east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord, and he called on the name of the Lord. And so Abram sojourned, journeyed, uh, going on still toward the south. And we'll stop reading right there. What you hear in these verses is the call of God on Abraham or Abram and then his following in obedience. I want you to go back up to verse number one, if you will, and I'm going to ask you to underline or circle a word which may seem really insignificant, but it's the word said, S-A-I-D, and the Lord had said to Abram. I want to think with you for just a minute about what that saying, this word spoken to Abram was like, because when, when the Bible says that the Lord had said to him, it's denoting more than simply a word enunciated or, you know, sort of an unimportant conversation. Rather, what it means is that God had given him a call, a command. He said to him, as the text tells us, come or go, leave where you are and go into another place. If I could simply verbalize it for you, Abram is going through his life one day. He doesn't know the Lord. Remember, they were pagan worshipers. He doesn't know the Lord. And out of nowhere, God speaks to him and says, Abram, yes, go from where you are, leave where you are, and I want you to go to the land or to the place that I will show you. Now for just a moment, I want you to think about that call and let's consider the timing. Where, when did God give this call to Abram? I want you to hold your finger in Genesis chapter number 11 and turn back to the New Testament or over to the New Testament, Hebrews, Hebrews chapter number uh, 7. Hebrews 7. And while you're turning to Hebrews 7, let me read to you from Genesis 11 and verse 31. Listen carefully to these words. Genesis 11:31 says, And Terah, the father of Abram, Terah took Abram his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth with them from the Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan, and they came unto Haran, and they dwelt there. All right, so Genesis 11 uh, tells us that Terah took his family and left the Ur of the Chaldees. 
But Genesis 12 says that the Lord spoke unto Abram, not unto Terah. So how do we reconcile this? That's the reason I wanted you to turn to Hebrews chapter number 7. Let me read to you, not Hebrews, but um, Acts. I sent you to the wrong place. It's Acts chapter 7. Please forgive me. We'll be in Hebrews in a minute. Go to Acts chapter 7. Now, if that makes you frustrated with me, why don't you get up here and try it? Amen? <laughs> I'm kidding. Go to Acts chapter number 7 and listen to what the Bible says. Stephen is preaching. In Acts chapter 7, when he says in verse number 2, Men and brethren, fathers, hearken. The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran. Here you have it. God spoke to Abraham before they went to Haran when they were in the Ur of the Chaldees in Mesopotamia. Verse number 3, And he said unto him, Get out of your country and from your kindred into a land which I will show thee. And so he did. Abram came out of the land of the Chaldeans and he dwelt in Haran. And from there, when his father was dead, he removed into this land, the land of Canaan, wherein you now dwell. So here's what becomes clear. And this is not unimportant. Stay with me. Here's what becomes clear, that when Genesis 11 says that Terah took his family from the early Chaldees and went to Haran, it is obvious and evident from the text that the reason Terah moved his family was because of the influence of his son Abram, who had received a call from God. I imagine the conversation may have gone something like this. Abram said, hey, Dad, God called me to go uh, to uh, the land of Canaan through Haran. And so Abram said, we're leaving. And maybe Terah said, no, son, don't leave. No, son, you can't go. And maybe Abram said, I'm going. Maybe you should just come with me. And so this conversation happens. And through the influence of Abram, Terah uprooted his family and moved to Haran. I say, Pastor, why is that so important? Here's why. Because Abram influenced his father for the Lord. When all of you listen to me, some of you have fathers who are not believers in Jesus. Some of you have mothers who are not believers in Jesus, maybe moms and dads who aren't believers in Jesus, or maybe they're not walking with the Lord, or they're not being faithful to the Lord, or whatever, but you, as a son or a daughter, maybe you're a student, maybe you're grown, but you think, well, my parents don't walk with the Lord or know the Lord like I do. I can never do anything about that. I can't influence my parents for the Lord. You are so, so wrong. Abram influenced Terah, and in the same way, I want you to know that you can make a difference in the lives of your family, even in the lives of your parents. You know, this was the case in my own experience, my own testimony, that when I came to faith in Jesus in 1981, I was 16 years old. My father was not a Christian at that time. Never really going to church much. I mean, maybe when he was a kid, some, but, but in his adult life, and certainly as we were growing up, he had never, we'd never gone to church very much. And, and my dad was not a follower of Christ. So in 1981, I became a Christian and I began to have a burden for my dad. And I wanted to, I wanted to witness to my dad. And I wanted my dad to come to know Jesus. And, and I wanted to influence him for Christ. And for 15 years, 
I prayed for my father for 15 years. Even when our oldest children were first born, we taught them as they were uh, young ones to pray for their grandfather. And I want to show you a picture. This picture was made later in uh, 1996. My dad came to faith in Jesus, and I had the privilege of baptizing him because God can take the witness of a boy and make a difference in the life of his daddy. Now, I simply say that to you to know that you can make a difference. And you can influence your parents, your family members, your distant relatives. You can influence them for Christ. God called Abram first, and he influenced Terah. Now, on your way back to Genesis chapter number 12, I want you to stop by Isaiah. Go to Isaiah chapter number 51. I want to show you one other thing about Abraham's call, which is really significant Uh, And we ought to really be grateful for. Isaiah chapter 51, and uh, we're going to look in verse number 1. Isaiah 51 and verse 1. God is speaking to the Jewish people. Here's what he says. Hearken to me, you that follow after righteousness, you that seek the Lord. Look unto the rock from which you have been hewn or cut out. Look to the hole of the pit from which you have been dug out. That's a picture of a mine, like you're mining something. He says, if you want to be righteous, I want you to look back to where you began. There was a rock, God says to the Jewish people, I cut you out of that rock. There was a, there was a mine, I mined you, or I cut you out of that, out of that uh, hole in the ground. What was the rock, or who was the rock, or who was the mine? Verse 2, look unto Abraham your father, and Sarah, who bore you. Remember, he is the father of the Jewish people. God affirms that in these verses that they came from, they were hewn out of the the, uh, rock of Abraham. But here's what I want you to see in verse two. For I called him, God says, I called Abraham alone. I called him when it was only him, and I blessed him and increased him. The point is that there was no Jewish people. There was no Jewish nation. There were not 12 tribes and and, uh, hundreds of thousands or even a million plus people. None of that existed. There was just Abraham. And God called Abraham and then created through Abraham's family the nation of Israel. But the point I want you to see primarily is this. God says, I called him alone. Both campuses, if you're listening, shout amen. Here's what I want you to know. I want you to notice the singularity of God's call in Abraham's life. Here's what I mean. God didn't step out into the earth of the Chaldees and say, may I have your attention, please? I am going to begin a new nation. I'm looking for volunteers. Would any one of you like to step up to serve as the father of that nation. Did that happen? <laughs> Never at all. God, God didn't make a general invitation. Here's what he did. He, he, he came uh, down to his world, or he spoke from heaven. He spoke out of all of the people of the world to one man named Abram. And he said, Abram, come with me. <laughs> it would be the same as if I looked at this congregation this morning and I said, Matt, come with me. Or if I said, Steve, come with me. Or, or if I said, hey, Brian, come with me. It is a specific invitation. I want you to listen to me. God calls us 
individually. God calls it. What amazing grace is this? That the God of heaven would speak into your life and say, hey, Joe, hey, Jim, hey, Jill, you come to me. That is grace. I may invite you generally. I may invite the, the congregation to come to Jesus, but the Holy Spirit speaks to you individually when he calls you. God's not taking volunteers for his kingdom. God is calling people into his kingdom. You say, well, I, if I know Jesus, I've been called. Well, what exactly have I been called to? Well, let me just share with you what the New Testament says you and I have been called to briefly. Romans chapter 1 and verse number 7 says that if you know Jesus, God has called you to be a saint. Welcome to church, saints. That's not an incorrect statement. Now, if you husbands go home and say to your wife, I'd like for you to call me St. Jim from now on. Put a halo over my head, and I want to be St. Jim. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's probably the motivation in that is not right, but the reality, the, theolo- the theology of it, it really is right, that we have been called to be saints. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 1 and verse number 6, we have been called into the grace of Christ. Now, if you understand the grace of Christ, you understand what a privilege this is. I once was not in the grace of Christ, and now I have been called into his grace. Ephesians 4 and verse 1 says we have been called to be the sons and the daughters of God. Now we, Galatians goes on to say we once were the children of wrath, but now we are the children of God called to be so. 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 4 says we have been called to obtain the glory of Jesus Christ. Wow. From our inglorious, unrighteous, broken, selfish, sinful past, now to obtain the glory of Jesus, that the glorious life of Jesus ought to be being reproduced in us. That's what we've been called to. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 5 says you've been called to holiness. If you know Jesus, that's the call. You're called to holiness, to live a life that is holy. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, we have been called out of darkness and into his glorious light. And 1 Peter 5 and verse 10 says he has called us into his eternal glory in heaven one day. I want you to get your head and your heart wrapped around this this morning because when you think about the call of Abraham and how wonderful it is, it is no more glorious than your own call. Because God came to you one day by his spirit in the same way that he came to Abraham. When he said, Abram, come and follow me, he came to you. And he said, come and follow me. And he called you out of an inglorious life of sin into the light, out of darkness and into the light, called you to be a saint, made you his son or his daughter, called you to experience the glory of Jesus in your life, called you to walk through this life as a witness, and one day he will call you to heaven. Praise God for the grace of his call. Now, here's the thing. Abraham was called. We ought to celebrate that, but you and I have been called as well. Well, back in Genesis chapter number 12, the call of Abraham becomes pretty clear. I want you to jot it in your notes. It is simply to state this fact that Abraham, God called Abraham to be a blessing. God called Abraham to be a blessing. There are two imperatives in the first couple of verses. Let me read them to you. Now the Lord, I'm in Genesis 12 again. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, 
Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. There's the first imperative. Here it is. Go. Go. That's the first imperative. The second imperative is in verse 2. I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. There's the second imperative. Be a blessing. Now, verse 2 almost seems like this thought of being a blessing is a result. Follow me, and the end of that will be that you'll be a blessing. No, I mean, that's true, but here's the command. He says, go, be a blessing. Go, and as you go, be a blessing. This is his call on us as well. And as God commanded him to go out and be a blessing, then God made him some promises. God said, Abram, if you will go do this, then let me tell you what I will do. Look at verses 1 through 3. Six times in verses 1 through 3, the words I will are either spoken or implied. God says, I will do these things. The Lord said to Abram, go, get out of your country from your kindred, your father's house, into a land that I will show thee. I will show you. And then I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. Uh, Verse number three, I will bless them that bless thee. I will curse him that curses thee. And I will make sure that every family under heaven, every nation in the earth is blessed because of you. So God said, Abraham, here's my call. Go, be a blessing. And as you go, here's what I'm going to do. Now, every time God calls us, he promises to bless us as well. That when we are obedient to him, he says, I will be at work in your life. And so from Abraham's example, both his example of obedience and the goodness of God to pour blessing into his life, we can go forward in faith and encourage. And the things that God promised to Abraham are codified in what is known the Abrahamic covenant. It makes sense that we would call it the Abrahamic covenant. It is a covenant or a promise, an agreement that God entered into with Abraham. Okay, the Abrahamic covenant. Three parts of the Abrahamic covenant. Jot them down in your notes. Three things in the Abrahamic covenant that God said I will do. Number one, God said to Abraham, I will give you land. I'm going to give you property, Abraham. I'm going to give you a land. You see it in verse number one. It's the land that I will show you. Look at verse seven. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto thy seed, I will give this land. God said, I'm going to give you land. Now, the land that God gave him is the land of Israel today. By the way, will y'all allow me to stop and take one 60-second sidetrack? If you will, say amen. You're gracious. This is the reason, this one verse is the reason that when you see the evening news and you hear about the Palestinian-Israeli conflict or you see people protesting and saying, free Palestine, and, and you hear about who should live in the land in the city of Jerusalem or in this settlement or on that hilltop outside of Jerusalem or in Judea and Samaria, and, and you're thinking, man, I don't know what's right, what's wrong. Listen, we ought to be compassionate and helpful to Palestinians, but you should know that God gave the land of Israel to the Jewish people. It is their land by royal land grant. And this is the reason we should support Israel in the Holy Land. He said, I'll give you land. Number two, he said, I will give you many descendants. Remember, they didn't have children. Abraham and Sarah had no no children, or Abram and Sarai. They had no children. She could not conceive children. They were 75 years old. Or he was, she was 65. And God said, I'm going to give you children. You'll see it in verse 2, chapter 12, 
And verse number two, I will make of you a great nation. It means you're going to have many descendants. Verse number seven, I will give this land to your descendants. Look, turn one page over to chapter number 15. Look, chapter 15 and verse number five. God brought Abraham forth abroad, said to him, look toward the, the heaven. Can you count the stars? He said, this is how your descendants are going to be. Your descendants are going to be like the stars, so many that you can't count them. He said, I'm going to give you land. Secondly, I'm going to give you descendants where uh, that will live in that land. And then the third promise that he made in this covenant was I will bless the whole earth through you. I will bless the whole earth through you. Here's what God said. This is the Abrahamic covenant in a nutshell. God said, Abram, follow me. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to give you a people in that land. And through your people, from that land, I'm going to bless every nation under heaven. That's the Abrahamic covenant. Now what... What is the land, the land of Israel? Who are the people, the Jewish people? And what is the blessing that has come to the entire earth through the Jewish people in the land of Israel? None other than the person and work of Jesus Christ. Born a Jew, lived a perfect life in the land of Israel, died for our sins in Jerusalem, was buried, rose from the dead and ascended back to heaven, all from the land of Israel and one day is coming back to Jerusalem. God has blessed the whole world through the Jewish people by sending Jesus. In fact, Paul says this. Look at Galatians. You don't have to turn. Galatians 3 and verse 8 says this in the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preach the gospel beforehand unto Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. <laughs> I love that. Paul says that when God said to Abraham, I'm going to bless the whole earth through you, Paul says God was preaching the gospel. God was telling Abraham that he was going to send Jesus. And can I just say to you that Abraham has been a blessing in my life. Because in 1981, I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, the blessing through Abraham's obedience. I heard the gospel of Jesus and I trusted in Jesus as my Savior and I have never been the same again. If I could write Abraham a letter today, I would say, thank you, Abraham. You have been a blessing to me. We can't write Abraham a letter because he's, he's in heaven, but there are some people who are living who have been a blessing in your life, and you ought to tell them. You know, Can I give you a challenge this week? Why don't, you, why don't you send a note to somebody that's been a blessing to you? Just tell them what a blessing they've been. You can do it in a text or, or an email. That's fine. But it might mean a little more if you take the time to write a handwritten note and fold it up and put it in the mail and send it to them. Because we ought to say thank you to those who have been a blessing, and surely Abraham has been. Well, let me move to close by simply then in Genesis 12 talking about Abraham's obedience. Verses 1 through 3 tell us about God's call on Abraham, and then verses 4 through 9 tell us about Abraham's obedience to the call. How do, how do we know, by the way, that Abraham had faith to, to do what God said? How, how do we know that we can really celebrate his Obedience, because the text tells us that he obeyed. And here's the principle. It is that faith is measured by obedience. Loved ones, don't ever forget this. James alludes to this when he says, you say you have faith? Great. Show me your faith by works. In other words, be obedient to God. Do what God said. And, and that'll demonstrate your faith. Obedience is the measure of our faith. It displays the measure of our faith. In verse number one, chapter 12, God said to Abram, go, 
leave your homeland. And in verse number four, it says, so Abram left. He departed. He did what God said. Imagine this. God says to Abram, leave your family. Leave your security. Leave everything you've always known. Leave your father's house and go to a land that I will show you. And Abram's 75 years old. Now, I get it. That was midlife in those days. But still, he's 75 years old. When God says to him, leave everything and go, what would you have done? I don't know what I would have done. I hope I would have obeyed. But what what a call, what a stretch this is out of Abram's comfort zone. He said, I want you to leave where you are, and I want you to go. And so he did. Abraham left. And he followed God. Remember earlier when I asked you to turn to the book of Hebrews? I wasn't wrong. I was just early. Turn to Hebrews 11 very quickly, please. In the New Testament, Hebrews chapter number 11. Look with me at a couple of verses beginning in verse 8. Hebrews 11 verse 8. Some of you will know immediately that Hebrews 11 is this great uh, faith chapter, the, the heroes of the faith. And of course, if you're going to list the heroes of the faith, Abraham is going to be in the midst of them. And Hebrews 11 verse 8 says, By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should receive after for an inheritance, went out, he obeyed, not knowing where he went. God said to him in Genesis, go, I'll show you where you're going. Now, some of us would have said, I don't think I could do that. God, if you'll tell me where we're going, tell me how we're going to get there, then I'll follow you. But this whole just go without really knowing, I could never do that. Yes, you could. You do it every day with GPS. (laughs) We do. We, We get in the car and go down there. We don't know where we're going. It just says turn right, turn left. Next light, go left. Oh, there's a detour. Go around that. And we just trust. And when Siri says, you have arrived at your destination, well, well, of course we have. We knew we would. We trusted Siri. How much more can we trust God? Who says go? And I'll show you. And so the Bible says that he had received this call to go out into a place that he, he should have to receive for an inheritance. He obeyed, verse number eight. He went out not knowing where he went. Verse 9, by faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Uh, Somewhere in the margin of your Bible, write the word tents. That's what a tabernacle is. It's just a tent. And back in Genesis 12, it says that Abraham, verses 4 through 9, it says that Abraham went into the land of Canaan and he pitched his tent. Listen carefully. He pitched his tent. And he built his altar. If y'all are listening, shout amen. This is the life of a pilgrim. This is our life. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. We just pitch our tent temporarily. We, we, We pitch our tent and we build our altar of worship to the Lord. And in this world, no matter what kind of home you live in, doesn't matter how big or small, no matter where you live, it's just a tent because it's not forever. You're gonna, you pitched it, and now you're just building your altar to the Lord and worshiping him, and you're looking for a day when you move to another place where you'll live forever with him. 
And this is what Abraham did, because look at the next verse, verse number 10. For it says, For Abraham looked for a city which hath foundation, whose builder and maker was God. God said, Abraham, I want you to leave your home. I want you to go live in tents. Just keep moving around. You're going to be a sojourner, a nomad. You're going to be a Bedouin. You're going to move from place to place. But I want you to keep worshiping me and trusting me because one day you're going to reach the city of God, the city that has foundations, the city built by God. Loved ones, never put your tent stakes too deep. Never think that this world's your home. Never get too comfortable in this life. Always know I'm in a tent. I've got my altar to the Lord, but one day I'm going home. Amen? Well, Abraham did, and he, he journeyed on, back in Genesis to close, he journeyed on by faith all through the land of Canaan. A couple of thoughts about, about um, faith, and then we're going to go home. Number one is simply to say that faith always takes God at his word. That's Genesis 12, verses 4 and 5. Faith always takes God at his word. Abraham just said, Lord, if you said go, I'm going. And so we went. We talked about that last week. Secondly, faith is always a great witness. When you walk by faith, you are a witness to the goodness and the power of God. Verse number six says that the Canaanite, (coughs) pardon me, the Canaanite was in the land. Imagine this. These Canaanites, they're, they're, they're pagans. Talk about Terah and Abram being pagans. They, these guys are pagans. They're worshiping, worshiping Baal and Asheroth and, and all these false gods. And now here comes this 75-year-old guy with his wife and his nephew and his household living in a tent in the midst of their big houses and saying, my God is the greatest God. He called me to come here and worship him. He's witnessing. Faith is a witness. Thirdly and finally, you should know that faith comes with God's affirmation. When you walk by faith, God will not leave you alone. He will affirm your faith and encourage it along the way. Look at verse number 7, chapter 12 and verse number 7. says that God said to Abram, unto thy seed I will give this land. Do you remember verse 1? Go to a land. And because he obeyed, by the time you get to verse 7, it is this land. And so God brings clarity to his call because Abraham followed him by faith. And so loved ones, you, like Abraham, have been called to be a blessing, to walk by faith and be a blessing. Some of you are walking through this life like pilgrims. You understand you live in a tent and you build your altar and you are a pilgrim passing through. But life is difficult. The way is hard. It's like a valley of tears. The struggles are real. And I just say to you, press on. Walk on. Walk by faith. And if you will, one day you will reach the city of God. And along the way, you will be a blessing as you go. Husbands, God has called you to love your wife like Christ loved the church. Do it. You say, well, the spark is gone, and I don't know, and it's not like it used to be. Love her by faith and in obedience, and you will be a blessing if you'll do it. Wives, respect your husbands. Love him, honor him, follow his lead. And you say, well, he's not leading very well, and he hasn't earned my respect. But do it by faith. Do it in obedience to God. And you will be a blessing 
weary parents who say, my kids don't listen to me for nothing. And I feel like I'm preaching to the, to the wall when I talk to my kids and they're not listening and maybe they're not even little ones anymore. They're grown up and they're, they're prodigals and they don't respect you or your faith or your beliefs or whatever. Be faithful. Walk out this life as a, as a parent of a two-year-old or a 42-year-old and do it by faith and you will be a blessing. Young lady, you're dating a guy and he's pressuring you to give up your biblical values and your morals and remain pure. And he's pushing and pushing and pressing and pressing. Hear your pastor. Be faithful to God. Remain true by faith. And you'll be a blessing. Young person, living under the culture, the, the, the oppressive pressure of a culture that's trying to shape you and squeeze out all the, all the God that your family has poured into you all your life and trying to squeeze out all the truth and the righteousness of the word of God and shape you into the form of a worldling. Be faithful. Walk by faith. Believe God's word and you will bring blessing everywhere you go. You and I have been called to be a blessing. So let's be one. I think if Abraham were here and we could say to him, and we would, Abraham, man, you were so faithful. You were such a blessing. I think Abraham would say, no, you know what's really true? Is God was faithful. God blessed me. I was faithful to him by his grace but he was really faithful to me. In fact, I really believe that if Abraham could have, he would have sang that song that we sang earlier and that we're gonna close with on both campuses, The Goodness of God. I think he would have sang, all my life, you have been faithful. When you called me in the Ur and you called me to Haran and then when we left Haran after daddy died and we made our way over into Canaan and we're among the Canaanites and we're just living in tents and saying, God gave us this land, but we don't have it yet and God's gonna raise up a nation, but it's not happened yet and I was just faithful in all of those mornings when I would get up and I would look up to the sky and all the nights I would see the stars and God said, that's how many descendants you're gonna have. I couldn't see it, but I know this. God was faithful. And I could sing that. Every day of my life, he has been faithful to me. And he will be to you as well.